Hello, and welcome to the Victory Bell, the podcast. Wow, that feels really good to say. Hey, everyone, I'm Paul Oren, founder and editor of TheVictoryBell.com, and I am thrilled to announce today that this is the first episode of the Victory Bell, the podcast, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso University Athletics. It just feels great to be behind the podcasting microphone. It's been nine long months since I recorded the last episode of Union Street Hoops, which for longtime listeners was a podcast that I launched back in 2016 with my dear good friend Parker Gatewood, and we did about 145 episodes just really focusing on Valparaiso men's basketball. There was the occasional women's basketball in there, the occasional football in there, but largely it was a podcast partnered with the Northwest Indiana Times that was just dedicated to Valparaiso basketball. This podcast, the Victory Bell, the podcast, will be dedicated to all of Valparaiso University Athletics, and I am thrilled to get started here. We've got a great first episode. Joining a little bit later on on the podcast will be the president of Valparaiso University, Jose Padilla, who is going to talk to us about the strategic plan. Now, in interest of full disclosure, when I sat down with President Padilla to do this interview, I didn't necessarily tell him that he was going to be the first guest on the Victory Bell, the podcast. Matter of fact, I said to him, hey, do you mind if I record this audio? I might use it for something down the line. I really wasn't sure what that something was going to be. We did this interview on September 12th, and so really about two weeks ago, um, and, and so I just have not... I, I didn't want to just publish the words. I wanted you guys to hear it in his voice, to hear what he has to say about the strategic plan, about Valparaiso's Division One status, about a new arena. All of those things are coming up. But before I get into that, I wanted to take a moment a little bit to talk about thevictorybell.com. Some of you subscribe to The Victory Bell. Matter of fact, this probably this first episode uh, depending on how I can get it out to different platforms, you're probably only here because you subscribe to thevictorybell.com. And for that, let me say a genuine thank you. Uh, you know, I've written about this a little bit, but again, I wanted you to hear it in my voice. I set out to start this venture uh, in early January um, after I'd walked away from the Northwest Indiana Times. And look, let me tell you, nothing but love and respect for the time that I had at the Northwest Indiana Times. It was a great group of people that I worked alongside. Although as a freelance correspondent, you don't really work alongside people. You're kind of on your own all the time. But I had a chance to, to have some great editors there, and I really, really loved my time there. But like all good things, these things come to an end. And for me... Uh, Partially with COVID, partially with just the tightening of budgets and all of that, it became evident that the Northwest Indiana Times needed to focus on prep athletics, high school athletics. That's where their bread and butter is. And so slowly but surely, they started pulling back on Valparaiso University coverage. And that was something that didn't just start because of COVID. You know, we used to cover every Valparaiso University football game. I mean, you know, we would do like a feature story uh, middle of the week or whatever, and then we would cover the game. And if it was a road game, we would take a phone call. Well, then we stopped taking phone calls and we would just cover the home games. And then maybe we would cover the season opener and the homecoming game, and that was really about it. And, and slowly but surely, that went away. 
Same thing with the women's basketball team. I covered Valpo women's basketball when I got my start at the Northwest Indiana Times, and that was one of my first beats that I had. Spent a lot of time uh, covering Keith Freeman's teams, and I would travel on the road to some conference games and uh, did some non-conference stuff, you know, across the state of Indiana and games where we didn't cover. There would be phone calls, and we would do these, and there would be a lot of feature stories. And then as time went on, just like football, all of that got stripped aside. And I was okay with all of that because I still had the Valparaiso men's basketball team to cover. But really the straw that broke it for me was this past season when it just they, they played Charlotte Valpo played Charlotte at home and uh you know for whatever reason the paper didn't see fit to cover that game. And uh you know for and, and again they had other stuff to do and you know, I, I would continually get asked, hey, can you work this day? We're going to send you to a prep game, not the VU game. And I would say, well, look, I cover VU. That's what my passion is. That's what I've always wanted to do. Um, you know, I didn't set out to do that even when I went to college, but I found a great community and I found a great passion uh, from the fan base for knowledge about Valparaiso Athletics. And and it's one that I've I've always wanted to share that information. And, and one of the reasons why I always wanted to share that information is because I looked up to, to so much to the people that shared it before I did. Uh, Sean Hayden, Paul Jankowski, Dick Harland. I think a Todd Eichau is another individual who I've always looked up to as somebody, you know, who is, has got passion for Valparaiso athletics. So for me, I wanted to figure out what that passion looked like and how I could do that. And, uh, and ultimately, I settled on the victorybell.com. For those who have listened to the first five and a half, six minutes of this, and, and you're not aware of what's going on, again, the victorybell.com is a su- subscription-based website, uh, $5 a month, $49.99 for the entire year. And I would like to think that with the content that I've put out and, and allow me to brag for a little bit, um, I think I've done a good job in this first year. I've really enjoyed telling some stories. And and when I say I think I've done a good job, it has very little to do with me, but very much to do with the kind of stories that people have told me, whether it was Emile Frasvillian telling me about collapsing in his dorm room, or Elise Pitts talking about how she's taking the court now to play for uh, her daughter, Nova, or whether it was a fun story about the bowling team the night that they found out they were the number one ranked team in the country, and everything in between. I've really enjoyed telling a lot of these stories in ways that the newspaper industry wasn't allowing to be told anymore, either because of the space limitations or just because they had to concentrate on other things. So the victorybell.com has been a great place for the written word since I launched on February 4th. I'm thrilled to have as many people subscribing as possible. I also feel like I need to do a better job of getting the word out. So that's where you can help, helping to get the word out. Tell your friends, tell your family. If you are a fan of Valpo Athletics, tell another fan of Valpo Athletics and make sure they know. Look, I, I guess I'm being greedy when I say that I can really, you know, this is a, a, a passion for me, but it's a passion that takes time, effort, energy, and money, uh, especially traveling and things like that. So one of the things I wanted to do to give back to the people who have been subscribing and all of that, and also just the fan base at large, was to relaunch this podcast. 
Union Street Hoops is something that was really passionate to me. I really love doing it. Started it with Parker Gatewood, who again is a dear friend of mine. And, uh, and I've had a lot of fun doing Union Street Hoops over the years, but it always felt like I was limited in, in just telling those stories. There are so many other great stories on Valpo's campus to tell stories about the soccer team, which just won a match uh, against UIC four to nothing on on Thursday night. What a great, great eruption, <laughs> offensive eruption. They've got great kids on that team. Uh, the volleyball team, which has been, you know, thus far as of recording this early in the morning on September 23rd, uh, the volleyball team, very, very talented, undefeated thus far. They've got a really tough weekend coming up with a couple different matches. But one of the things that was missing last year during their NIVC run was, you know, I kind of felt it felt like a slap in the face to show up and stick a microphone in their face in their, you know, the end of their season after they've had this great run. And all of a sudden I'm the media guy that says, hey, we've ignored you for the entire season, but it sounds like it's a slow news night and you might be a good story now. I just kind of felt like we owed it to them to to tell their story really from the jump. And, and I've tried to do that a little bit, at least I've written a couple of volleyball stories this year. And the football team, it's been really fun to cover the football team thus far. I've always kind of felt like Valparaiso football in the area could be positioned as a, if you build it, they will come kind of thing. If Valpo football could get off the ground and have a good season, I felt like there could be some juice there, some energy there. And and I wanted to help out and cover the team like a real team, as opposed to just dropping in every once in a while. And, you know, it's been tough, obviously, with, with now you're talking about soccer and volleyball and football, and you've got basketball coming up. But there are so many great stories on Valpo's campus to tell. And I'm going to try to tell as many of them as I can. And I'm going to do it through the written word. And now I'm going to do it here in podcasting. All of that aside, this first interview, I think, has a lot of great information in it. And I really just want to turn it over to that right now. So without further ado, the first guest on the Victory Bell, the podcast, Valparaiso University President, Jose Padilla. Initiative 3.2 talks about uh, beacons, athletic leaders in Division One sports. Mm-hmm. Division One sports, the fact that that's in the strategic plan probably isn't by accident. You go on to talk about uh, the university shall continue to participate in NCAA Division One athletics. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like a little bit of a doubling down of, of putting Division One athletics in the strategic plan. Have there been conversations about something other than Division One athletics? Was that, uh, uh, again, it's in it's in there a couple times that says Division One athletics and and how important is staying Division One to Valpo? It is incredibly important for Division One for us to be in Division One. First of all, we're in one of the great conferences. We were trying to get into the Missouri Valley Conference, and now we have to compete uh, every day in every sport uh, in that Missouri Valley Conference. But I, I see the strategic plan as an every five-year opportunity to reaffirm our priorities. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much a doubling down as, okay, now it's been a spell since the last strategic plan. It's been a spell since the board on a couple of different occasions did examinations of the, the costs of being in Division I sports, of other reasons to be in Division I sports, and in both occasions, they came to the conclusion we're going to stay Division One. Now that happened on the cusp and during COVID, yeah. and so it never really got out there. 
and I wanted to use this opportunity to reaffirm what they just looked at a couple years ago. And now again, since we're going forward for the next five years, I want to make sure that we reaffirm that as something vitally important for us to, to do. There has been, from every corner, rumblings, people saying, oh, Valpo's going to move to a different division or whatever. And this just, this felt like squashing any of that. Well, if, if that has the result of doing that, then <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, all right, another initiative that was in there, 3.2.2. I like these fancy numbers. These are good. Uh, it states that the university shall establish the optimal mix of offerings to ensure success in competition and enliven the campus that more positively drives all campus enrollment. Um, uh, opti optimal mix feels like a kind of a loaded phrase. Um, I know you're not going to announce sports coming or going mm -hmm. in an interview like this, uh, but what does optimal mix mean to you? Well, optimal mix means, first of all, that uh, you know, I'm a big believer in that sports is a force multiplier, an enhancer of the spirit on campus. Uh, you know, we have, what, over 400-some athletes, student-athletes. I believe it is, from a practical standpoint, an enrollment driver. We make, if you want to look at it from, you know, dollars and cents, for example, we make a lot of money on football because we're not scholarship. And so we've got 100 kids on that roster who want to continue to live the dream, and they're not getting scholarship. That's a draw to our campus if you look at it this way. Now, I think you may know I love football, and I just love being there. I like the whole spirit of it. My son was a student athlete. He was a coach in college. And I just think it's an opportunity to bring even more. Now, when I talk about optimal mix, um, I'm really thinking more in terms of is there a possibility of adding sports and enhancing that experience for others? You know, there's sports that come to mind like lacrosse, men and yeah. women's lacrosse. I think it dovetails nicely with the type of students and the schools that we're going after, students who have a good college prep background, and they're going to... Uh, some of the larger publics, whether it be in Chicagoland or elsewhere, they have good college backgrounds and they're prepared for this kind of experience here at Valpo and they want to continue to play the sport that they love. Now, we can't do that, though, if it's not going to make dollars a cents, right? So when I'm talking about that, can we enhance that student experience, but in a way that is affordable for us, that that doesn't costs more than you know than than it's worth you came here at a very interesting time with in regards to <laughs> athletics soccer men's soccer and men's yeah. tennis had just been cut then COVID happens and any savings that might have happened because of those two sports going away probably got dried up because of COVID or whatever is, is have you heard from people about soccer and men's tennis at all I have not but again Charles Small the athletic director Everything will be on the table as he looks at this optimal mix. So, you know, I wouldn't, that could be on the table. I'm not prejudging this at yeah. all, but it should be on the table. Uh, you mentioned Dr. Small. Um, I, I don't know if it's been the first 100 days for him, or, or I know 90 was the, the big number he was talking about, but um, I've seen you guys a lot at athletic events in the first couple of weeks of the school year. What, what, what has been his hit the ground running? time like have you enjoyed just spending time with him and everything first of all i enjoy him and his family he has two little cute kids yeah. but you know he has brought an energy to this 
It, you see that energy firsthand at the first football game. You see the crowds in our, our side of the bleachers. I mean, my gosh, you, you hadn't seen that before. Now we have to sustain that, and I think we will. We just have to somehow, I think part of it is just asking the students, get out here. You're going to have a lot more fun than you ever imagined. Now, of course, they're going to want us to be competitive, but I trust that we will be competitive. But I just don't want to just fixate on football. I want to fixate on soccer and all the other sports. You know, unfortunately, you know, there's not a big crowd out there for women's soccer. Although I will say on, on the Friday night game, I saw a bunch of football players and basketball players being supportive. And that's really encouraging. All right. Um, as any good journalist does, I've buried the lead. Um, Initiative 3.2.1 states that athletic and recreational partnerships with the community and local business slash Beacon Center for university and community engagement. Um, there is a, uh, there's a three word phrase in here that I think everyone's been buzzing about for the last 15 years, new athletic facility. Um, I know in the past you've said, do you renovate? Do you build a new? It kind of sounds like the decision's been made. And what led to that and what's next? We will be build new. Uh, what is happening right now, we've already engaged an architect out of well, actually, they're out of Columbus, Ohio, Moody Nolan, who does a lot of sports facilities throughout the country for universities. They do other buildings for universities, but primarily athletics is their sweet spot. We've engaged them to do preliminary research for us in terms of what are the various cost options, because I need to know that before I go to the board to say, please authorize me to engage in a campaign to raise the money for whatever the option is that makes sense and is affordable and so forth. So they're not by any stretch of the imagination design, designing a building yet because we're not even there yet. But what they'll do is give us options. This is what the Taj Mahal will look like. I don't think we're going to go with the Taj Mahal, but it's a good frame of reference. What's in the middle? What's on the lower end? Uh, I just believe that with the existing arc, it's like when you renovate a house, sometimes it just makes a lot more sense to build new because there are so many problems that you're fixing. You know, you, you underestimate the costliness of putting an air conditioning system in there and doing other things. And that building has been so gorilla glued and duct taped, I just don't think it makes sense to do that. So I think given the fact that you have this beautiful plot of land where the old hospital would be, I just think it makes perfect sense to put that arena there. But one thing I want to stress, Paul, is when we talk about community there in that initiative, I want this to be a, ideally it's owned by us, okay? But it's something that is a draw to the community to bring people not only to sporting events, but to other events or have graduation, things that the, the, the community will come to and be engaged in. I want to build another turf field because right now we're, we're field deficient and I want at least another turf field so everybody isn't tripping over each other because again, I think that ends up affecting the competitiveness of all our other teams. And you know, there may be some imaginative waves where we can even temporarily enclose that other turf field for indoor practices at the right time. I don't know if that we build another bubble. I don't know about that. My focus is on the arena and you only have so much money, right? Yeah. But definitely I want another field too. So I want this to make, make it like a complex. For example, if I do this right, I will have, I will move our office of alumni and, and uh, career services to that building because 
I want to draw to alums, just like you have at Michigan, my alma mater. I believe actually they have a big facility like that right next to the big house because alums are coming to those games and just on the way they see alumni and career services there. Um, I want to touch on again community. You said it, there's a lot in the strategic plan about uh, the Beacon Center, and I guess that's the working name of it, the Beacon mm -hmm. Center. Right, right now, now. Right, right now, yeah. It could change. Um, uh, making Valpo a destination for the region. You you hinted at partnership with the region mm -hmm. and community and stuff like that. Um, kind of what, again, 10,000 foot view, what does that look like? Well, first of all, you know, this is similar to Wintrust Arena that DePaul built. On its downtime, it's open for rentals, for concerts, conventions, and other kinds of things that, again, is a draw to the community, draw to the region, helps us make some additional revenue. Um, so I think we have to be creative in how we use that and extend it to the, to the community so that, again, it's a magnet to not only Valpo, but obviously there's going to be indirect and even direct benefits to the city of Valpo and the region itself. I guess final question that I have is, uh, again, the, you've, you've kind of talked about, you've talked to the, the Mooney, but um, is there a timeline of any way that you have in terms of when you'll get this stuff back, when you would talk to the board, when you would talk to the money, when you would talk to the groundbreaking, all of that? Well, not that granular, but let me just say this. I, they are supposed to be done with their work around the new year. And... And then we have to go through it, analyze it, and so forth. And then we have to put it in a package for board approval for authorizing the fundraising campaign. So I'm anticipating, hopefully in the spring, is when I would go to the board. But there's going to have to be work for us to make sure the board understands all this so the board can you know, appreciate the subtleties and the nuances and so forth. So they feel they have the information they need to make a decision like this. So I'm looking at the spring. And uh, beyond that, you know, my hope, this is not actually carved out in stone, my hope is that we would start the campaign no later than January of 24, and hopefully earlier than that, but no later than that. Uh, final question now, with the strategic plan in place, Dr. Small here, every, you know, is there excitement, you know, through the worst, hopefully, of COVID? Is there, is there like, excitement that, you know, it's, it's time to get to work, it's time to go here with athletics? Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's an excitement from him that he's, you know, right now he's kind of engaged in a listening tour, although I think that's probably, uh, listening tours never really come to an end. I mean, I'm a year and a half in, and I'm meeting with the library faculty on Friday uh, to hear their concerns. But... He's getting to the point where he's already spoken to the Chamber of Commerce. There are going to be others he speaks to. He's already met with some potential donors, some significant influential alumni from the athletic arena. Uh, so I believe there is. There's always a little bit of transition, right? Because people uh, are kind of wondering, okay, what kind of boss is he going to be? What kind of leader is he going to be? To me, he's really shown a lot of great leadership, a lot of great ideas and enthusiasm. So I believe there is that enthusiasm. Again, you just look at the football game as positive. Now we have to translate that into the other sports as well. Very good. That's all okay. I got for you.
some great information there from Valparaiso University President Jose Padilla. I really enjoy sitting down with him. He's got such energy when he talks about athletics, right? You can hear it in his voice. You can see it at the games when he's out there. And I'm sure for those of you who are going to be out at homecoming this weekend, you're going to see it. You're going to feel it. You heard a little bit in there about Dr. Charles Small, the athletic director. I've done some stuff with some stories with him. I'm sure I'll get him on the podcast at some point as well. I always really enjoyed having Mark LaBarbera on the podcast and and kind of feel bad that I never got a chance to do one final podcast with Mark LaBarbera before he left. That was always such a, a fun time to sit down and chat with him. There's been another podcast guest, though, that it's always been fun. We do it every year. And the next episode of you. Uh, well, what I almost said, Union Street Hoops. The next episode of the Victory Bell, the podcast, will be longtime Union Street Hoops contributor and Valparaiso University associate men's basketball coach Luke Gore is going to join the Victory Bell, the podcast, to talk about the non-conference schedule coming up for the men's basketball team. That will be next week. I can't wait to share that with you. We've done that. We've recorded that. He was well aware that he was going to be a guest on the Victory Bell, the podcast. And I actually, at that point, thought it might be the first episode. So I think I do allude in there that he is the first guest to have. But uh, uh, Luke, and he'll tell you on next week's podcast that he was the first subscriber to thevictorybell.com. This guy has been a, a longtime supporter of my work. And, you know, they always kind of tell you, you, you can't have relationships or friendships with the people that you cover. I've covered Luke Gore for 20 years and they don't get much better than Luke. So I can't wait to share with you his thoughts next week. Uh, and even though I, I probably differ a little bit on the quality of the schedule, we'll certainly get to that next week. So thank you. Go to thevictorybell.com. Hey, while you're there, like all like the articles, leave some comments, you know, just kind of share in the community of Valparaiso Athletics. If you're there, if you're subscribing, you've got a passion for it. You know I do. I know you do. I'm glad to share that with you at thevictorybell.com. And again, the Victory Bell, the podcast. Can't wait for you guys to be along on the journey. Take care and have a great homecoming weekend. Hey.